Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. Open loops. You must listen to the open loops, a theme park for absurd beliefs and systems of integration between the mind and the creative spirit. Open loops. Hey, you're looking to go on a head trip, but you have no clear destination. You're craving some intellectual stimulation. You need to bend your brain, break it, shatter your reality, destroy the social conditioning that you were raised with so that you can expand. And there's a fun place to do it, a thrill ride center for your intellect, your imagination. Here it is. You're at Open Loops, Conversations That Bend. I'm your host, Chief Looper, Greg Bornstein. Today's episode brings up a term I learned in college. It's the phrase guerrilla ontology. Guerrilla ontology, it's something that I first learned about from the author Robert Anton Wilson, who is a big influence of mine. I really enjoy, uh, he's deceased now, Robert Anton Wilson's work. I read his book, The Illuminatus Trilogy, and uh, he's well known for quantum psychology and Prometheus Rising. The term guerrilla ontology is what he describes in his 1980 book, The Illuminati Papers, as, quote, the basic technique of all my books. Ontology is the study of being. The guerrilla approach is to mix the elements of each book that the reader must decide on each page how much of this is real, and how much is a put-on. Now, here's what's interesting. That's one way in to guerrilla ontology. But if you look at broader definitions of what he's doing, the goal is to expose an individual or different individuals to, and this is Wikipedia here I'm quoting, radically unique ideas, thoughts, and words in order to invoke cognitive dissidence, which can cause a degree of discomfort in some individuals as they find their belief systems challenged by new concepts. The ultimate goal of guerrilla ontology is to promote positive brain change and new ways of experiencing and adapting to reality. When I first learned about guerrilla ontology, it was in the context of watching the TV show Lost. Evelyn Lorena, the guest I have on today, who hosts the show Perspectives, is a guerrilla ontologist, and she might not even know it. I went to college with Evelyn. We, we both went to the Stella Adler Studio of Acting. We were in shows together. Uh, one of the the most bind-bending ones being a production called uh, The Love Song of J. Robert Oppenheimer. She played a character called Isidore, among other various roles. Um, I saved her in my phone as Isidore for years. I always loved Evelyn. Evelyn, to me, was a great example of the type of person that I was hoping to meet 
when I went to college. Somebody that is intense, intellectually stimulating for sure, and a looper. She can go around, you toss, you know, you start having a conversation with her, you toss another thing in, and all of a sudden it's like she can't dismiss it. I can bring up something like really out of left field and she'll have to incorporate it into the conversation or make it part of the conversation or at least address it, but still be able to go back to the conversation. She can track where I'm going, which makes this interview, which is a swap cast with her show. I'm actually on her show, which is why um, this interview at times might sound like I'm her guest, which is a little bit of inception for you. Her show is also about very similar things to mine. I mean, we're talking questions about what it means to be human in the world today, which involves Evelyn's interests, art, politics, culture, spirituality. I was honored to have Evelyn on this show because in this episode, this is part of the debate we had before this show. We had no idea what to call her based on what she's going to share with you today. She's going to share with you a story where she was up against death. And she's she told me she hasn't shared it publicly before. She's going to share with you perspectives on politics and what's happening right now in the global landscape that are perhaps going to shake your foundations a little bit, perhaps uncomfortable. Yet, she manages to do it in a way that is riveting, interesting, uh, finally trained by years of performing on stage so it's it's actually like she's captivating to listen to and just allows you to really sink into a different world of thought than perhaps what you'd be expecting to hear this morning or whenever you're listening to this evelyn happens to really i believe think open minded about a lot of different topics. And like me, she is able to not just dismiss something point blank because she disagrees with it. She actually takes it on and is open to having a guerrilla ontological experience where everything she knows could be radically transformed by just like a simple new perspective or idea. I lived for it. I loved it. She's also critical of the New Age movement at times, which I also just love, uh, but also kind of supports spirituality and all angel guides and all that stuff too. It's, it's, a, it's an eclectic mix, but she's an eclectic mix of a human being, a beautiful soul. I had no idea that she was going through the health struggle she was um, last year and, and beyond that. And, and A, I'm like honored and, and I, I thank you know, whatever higher powers out there, whatever that means to all of you, um, or you listening in particular, what that means to you, for keeping her around and for starting her show Perspectives and for her to let me be on her show and for her to come on mine. It's a swap cast. It's, it's challenging intellectually and perhaps even challenging to what you hold dear and close to your heart, your belief structures, but it's the right type of challenge because I don't think it's completely controversial either. It's just a riveting conversation. And Evelyn, I'm so happy that she's out there. She's acting. You know, I called her a reluctant visionary, but 
We had a lot of other names for who she is. Now, before I tell you those names, if you enjoy Open Loops, please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts and rate and leave a review so we can keep challenging the norm and bringing different perspectives and multidimensionality to all of you. However, just so you're aware what we were dealing with here, Evelyn Lorena, the interview is about to come. She is a perpetual observer, a shadow seeker, an embodied empath, and yes, a reluctant visionary. We also were tossing the title Babe Back from the Grave around, and she almost accepted it until I felt it was way too heteronormative a title. I appreciate that. I appreciate that Evelyn didn't let me go through with that. I had a blast. Evelyn Lorena. Enjoy. <laughs> well, it's Perspectives and Open Loops coming together, a swap cast of epic proportions. We have, or I have, I don't know, I'm connecting with Evelyn. Evelyn, I'm honored to be on your show. Greg, I'm honored to be on your show. I heard some of your episodes and they were like everything I wanted to speak about in life and I am just so excited. Yeah, my gosh. I am like, look, let's let's be honest with our audience for a second. Like, you gave me the pre you gave me the priest disclaimer. You're like, "Greg, here's where I come from. Here's the story. This is what I can get into. I'm going to go right for it because you know me. If there's anything we went to acting school together, and if there was anything I was always about, it was cutting like right to the core very quickly in a way that often provoked people. Um, so you had a near-death experience, and it changed your life. Please, how did perspectives come about because of this? How did your life come about because of this? Evelyn, we must know this story. <laughs> um, well, uh, I'm typically really private about it, so I'll be as obscure yet as specific as I can. Um, I don't, like I said, I usually don't like to draw attention to it because again, it's something just very sacred for me, but I essentially, I, I moved away from Los Angeles because I started to feel very much victim to a game that was not mine. You know, I was pursuing something with so much vigor and not necessarily getting fulfillment out of it. And, and I would get fulfillment out of, you know, performing and acting just on its own. But when it came to the business side of it, I felt just so lost and just so like in a matrix for lack of a better word. And some, and, and I guess a game, like playing somebody else's game, always having to compromise and not feeling very worthy in a lot of ways. And I moved to Atlanta because I had lots of job opportunities um, in terms of acting. Um, you know, I, I uh, loved the people that I met when I came here. Um, so I, I, I left, I, I left. And, and, but what was funny is that a lot of, that move then brought out a lot of fears and triggers and all kinds of stuff. And at the end of the day, I got extremely sick. And out of nowhere, I was diagnosed with um, a life-threatening illness, um, multiple organ failures. Um, you know, I basically was told, like, you know, that's it. Like, I, I wasn't conscious for it. You know, I was, like, in a coma. <laughs> but, like... Wow. Yeah, I was... Was this anywhere in your, like, history, family... You know? uh nothing this came out of nowhere no it came out of nowhere um all i can say is that i I, ha I had gotten the flu for the first time in my life in 2018 as soon as i'd moved 
And it just, I don't know, it just changed everything. Like I suddenly wouldn't get better. And then suddenly it, you know, spiraled. And and like I said, it just became an autoimmune problem. And what I've learned about life essentially is that, you know, everything in physical reality and in this matrix, which I call a hologram, we'll call it, and we can get into that if you want, but it's, it's, it serves the purpose of our soul evolution. And I feel like at some point, if you as a soul, as a being are meant to evolve, which we all are in our own ways, but depending on what that evolution is, certain things are going to happen in your life. And and I'm not saying that I, I don't suggest, you know, near-death experiences as a way to liberate yourself in any way, because um, they're terrible to go through. Yeah. But it did provide that for me. And, and in some ways, I feel very grateful. And it almost felt like a necessity because otherwise I would have just kept going down the path I was going, which was, you know, staying in victim consciousness, even though I didn't think I was a victim, like, and we can get into that too, about like what that means and just um, getting out of that mindset and really empowering myself and really seeing life in a whole different way. Um, And especially through the lens of gratitude, I think, and in the now moment, which has been just a different way that I've never experienced my life before. Um, But it needed, it's like, it's like that it needed to happen in order for these other things to happen, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the the constant awakening story that at least I've had, and I don't know who you've talked to, uh, you know, or if you've felt, I know you who you've talked to on your podcast, but I mean, I don't know in terms of like the people you've talked to uh, from whether it's from the guests you've had on your podcast or in real life, the way the awakening story ends up happening for people, it usually is I never have, I haven't talked to someone yet that has said I was happy one day and then all of a sudden I saw like (laughs) my interdimensionality. Like that never happens. It's a breakup. It's a, you know, I mean, someone said it was divorcing their husband and actively choosing to divorce. Someone said it was a major breakup in their life. And I've actually talked to someone that, yeah, multiple, actually multiple near death experiences really like triggered that for her why do you think because i know that you know as an actress and and being in you know like in los angeles you probably have had mm, lots of heartbreaks at least the career brings a lot of that why do you think awakening didn't happen those earlier times when you encountered career struggles why did it have to wait until being near death yeah i I love that question because i think about that all the time and and like i said it, it it I said this actually to Sam once, who was a guest on your podcast and is close friends of both of ours. Samantha Kalicki, yeah. I love her. Shout out, shout out. I, yeah. I once had that conversation with her about how the lessons are tailored to you, right? Like we always want to enforce like how somebody needs to grow because that's how it worked for us, right? Or how it's going to work for another person. And at the time that all of this happened, A, I want to say that I was very stuck in my own ego and very stubborn as a being. Um, That was very much a quality that I loved about myself, but also knew that it was to my downfall. And I think, and I spoke about this also on a different podcast with Marushka about there was maybe no other way for it to happen. Does that make sense? Because the loss of life, like you facing your own mortality and letting go of the attachment to life is such a profound experience on like a different level because you're able to really, you've let go. Like you're like, I am okay with not living or with living. I am only okay with this now moment. And I feel like 
it wasn't just my life I lost. I mean, I lost everything. Like I, I don't, at that time I had also decided to stop acting. Like I was like, I think even though I'd moved there for it, I had started to contemplate to let go of the attachment of that. Um, there was a loss of a loved one. Um, I had no real income. Uh, it was essentially akin to losing everything or what felt like losing everything. There's a quote somewhere that says at your lowest, you're always closest to God because you can't you can't hold on to anything in physical reality. You can't hold on to anything except what you purely are, which is, you know, if you want to get spiritual, metaphysical, a source. That's what you are. You are the universe experiencing itself. And it goes through this experience. And when you have lost everything, you're able to see yourself for what you are. But when you have all these other things, which are very nice, by the way, like it's very nice to have material things. It's very nice to have comforts but they don't actually mean anything. You know what I yeah. mean? They're like icing on a cake. Um, I was going to ask you, do you think Jim Carrey is actually awakened? Russell Brand? Russell Brand? Come on. Yeah, Let's yeah, get yeah. the scoop. <laughs> you got the Hollywood. These are stars who have held on to egoic paths, yeah. but they're also preaching a version of this kind of awakened talk, seeing through the Matrix, all that stuff. Yeah. And I wonder, what's the difference between you and them? <laughs> I actually really, I mean, that gets into the question of what it means to be awake, right? Like I spoke to someone recently who had a great terminology for this, you know, looking at something from the point of functionality, you know, ultimately we're all awake in our own ways, right? Um, we decide that and, and we all serve a function or serve a purpose in the universe. You know, we're symbiotic in that way. You know, even the things that we perceive as negative, they serve a function, and that's not to justify or create an excuse for things that we may perceive as evil or not or anything like that. But essentially, we serve a function. And I think when you're talking about whether you're awake or not, it, it's, it's the extent that you're aware of that, you know, of your existence, of who you are, your purpose, the universe and its workings, or that there is a universe and it works, you know, and how much you stop buying into belief systems that are not genuinely yours. But in regards to them, you know, are they awake? Is what they do egoic? Um, is what I do egoic? I think it depends on where you're coming from, you know, and your intention. You know, is your intention to share knowledge or enforce it? You know, is it to self-aggrandize or is it to honor each being that you come into contact with? Um, I think we get so obsessed with this idea of like being the most, uh, having the most integrity or having... Um, the most pure point of view, right? Which is important. I think purity is like a like a measuring stick and a guide to keep you like, you know, um, on your game. But with those, you know, I actually really admire Russell, Russell and, and Jim Carrey as beings because, look, part of their deal is also to be a human. And um, they can have their own egoic struggles because that's everybody's thing, right? Everybody's going to have those things. I mean, it's fine. I think when you begin, get into the game of duality of like, I'm awake and you're not, that's when I want to take a step back, you know, because there's no real measuring stick for any of this, you know, which is why I don't even have a concrete answer. And this is, you know, such an elaborate response because um, I guess like, I guess I can say that to me, you know, being awake just means knowing yourself and, and being truthful to that. You know, essentially being awake is liberation, you know, being able to think for yourself, you know, you're not at the control of somebody else's authority. You are the highest authority over your life. Um, to me, that is what awakening or to be awakened means. Like beyond that, like this idea that you have to be a certain way to be awakened or 
follow certain mm-hmm. gurus or all of that, it, it becomes the same thing that you're fighting against or, or fighting to get away from. You know, it becomes that. It can become oppressive. Um, and springboarding off that concept. P.S. I feel like I'm on speed on your show, by the way. Um, so this is where I'll get loopy. Oh, we will. Um, it, it links to what's going on politically right now. You know, it's an interesting time. You know, it's just um, this idea of this is the right way to do things, you know. Um, and it's like, yes, okay. But if you flip it, um, any two points of view, you know, if you flip them from their opposite, you know, uh, to look at them from the other perspective, they feel the same way. You know, um, I, I give the example of Nazis, for instance, like, you know, if you ask a Nazi if they think they're right, if they believe that they're right, they absolutely think that they're correct, you know, in the very same way that um, that you would about whatever perspective you hold. Right. Um, so coming at things from, you know, say a moralist perspective in order to you know decide what is right and wrong um, can be very limiting. I think you get further asking more ethical questions like who benefits most or who benefits least um, from a given action or decision. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, look, um, uh, <laughs> I'm like, how do you step back from defending Nazis for a second? No, no, no. Which no. I know you're not, I'm doing, not doing, but, I'm not doing but I do, it, it raises a question in my head, which is like, what is going on there? Like, is there something? Because, uh, like, we we hear, you know, from acting school. Uh, yeah. One of the things I remember that Jason Little, who yeah. was a big part of um, at the Stella Adler Adler Studio of Acting, where yeah. uh, we both studied in college. Um, Jason Little, he was like the head of education there. I remember something he said once that really stuck with me, which is that if you're playing Hitler you don't play it like I hate the Jews. Right. You play it like I'm saving the world. Right. And that and that's an interesting, that has always made, but then I look at police officers in the United States and it is clear to me that it cannot just be this race is a lesser being than me. And I believe that, therefore, because I believe that my actions are correct. Like, I don't think it's that simple either. So where, how do you differentiate the nuance of, yeah. like, believing something and having that be uh, any yeah. level of moralistically acceptable? Which, again, I don't think that's what you're saying, but I want to understand it fuller. Yeah, I'm not, no. And I, And here's the thing. I have my... The thing about when you start to look at, I think, the world in a multidimensional way is that everything and anything can exist, which means the most horrific evil and the most good, as, as one would define it, can exist, right? And that's what I mean when I use that example. The not, I mean, I personally do not, you know, because the measuring stick for me is, is what do you want to experience, right? If you ask that question, there's, and this is where duality can be useful to say fear or love, right? Typically, I think, you know, when you look at things dualistically, they create problems because it's one thing against another. But if you're using it in this way, I feel like when you ask yourself, do I want to experience fear or love? When you embody love, right, which is this, um, this uh, it's hard to describe to somebody, but you, you know it when you feel it, you're not able to harm another human being, right? Like you don't, there's, it doesn't even work on that paradigm, right? But with fear, it yes. does. So I think if you ask yourself that, then you can start to discern for yourself a little bit like, 
oh, this doesn't align with that. That's why this is quote unquote wrong, right? I mean, again, I don't like to use the word wrong because it depends on what perspective you're looking at it from, right? But if you use it that way, you can you, you start to see like, oh, well, something like Nazism is very much based in fear, right? And, and I'm looking at that objectively. I'm not, you know, like, again, I'm, I'm not casting right. judgment, but it's, it's from a place of fear, right? Um, because you're... You're looking at things and ask and, and 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 trying to eliminate something rather than integrate it, right? Um, yeah. And I think when yeah. you come from a place of love, you seek to integrate, whether it's a shadow um, or something evil or whatever. You're looking to create a sense of oneness. And to me, if you ask me that question, what do I want to experience? Then, and my answer is love. Then, you know, for example, I would not align myself or do actions that would be quote, considered evil, right? Um, yeah. So that's yeah. kind of the measuring stick I use, which is that's why, and I think it eliminates judgment that way because you're looking at it from an energetic point of view versus like, or an intentional point of view versus, you know, this person is bad and fuck them and they need to be canceled. Like that to me right. is way more harmful because you are literally meeting the thing that you want to eliminate with the same energy. You know, right, right. No, I think you definitely opened me up to something today, which I am like, wow, this is host <laughs> of perspectives. Good job, everyone. Wow. Um, and what it is is this: it's that like a, a lot of the people who've been talking to me mm. have been multi-dimensional. I mean, I had a multi-dimensional awakening coach on yeah. my show. I haven't released the episode yet but it, it it um and i actually attended one of her sort of introduction to multi-dimensional awakening seminars mm -hmm. and she's talking about seeing the way she claims she sees the world in 13 dimensions and i'm like what what does that think, even mean i think the highest that i heard was like that somebody had seen 17 anyway continue yeah okay wow people are really just <laughs> I mean, getting into battles here no, about can, how many dimensions no no i mean we can get into like the legitimacy of all that because i have an opinion on it but well but, well, but, but when i was going to say is that like multi-dimensionality i think for the first time i just realized that it's not this esoteric metaphysical thing all the time like no. it's when you talk about seeing something in three dimensions i mean it sounds obvious like yeah it is literally you are seeing things with depth width length more than just seeing it flat and multi-dimensionality on a very practical level means as opposed to right and wrong you can see where right and wrong fit into a larger context so it's almost as if like you see the two words right and wrong and then i mean i'm actually literally thinking of uh, the work of dr david r hawkins here who talks about like different levels of consciousness like fear versus neutrality versus compassion versus love versus enlightenment like mm -hmm. it goes up the scale but you see where right and wrong fits in and like it's just a wider spreadsheet i, I guess, guess is what it comes down to like multi-dimensionality is a spreadsheet that is much bigger than you might even imagine it doesn't always need to be this like esoteric concept and uh you kind of just pointed it out to me i i appreciate that oh no i mean i that's how i you know i i think i shied away from and this is uh, again this is something that i really have begun to value about myself and uh, and i don't mean in an arrogant way at all it's just more that i used to struggle with reconciling spiritual concepts in the sense that they did seem separate and very alien or very far away, you know, that esoteric yeah. nature, right? But I think um, something that's become 
and I think this is part of my purpose as well as making these concepts sort of um, accessible to people because they're in every day. It's just that, you know, I think the thing that alienates people about, say, the New Age movement is it becomes a lot about rituals and a way of being and these terms and, you know, you must see like angels and beings and all kinds of stuff and, you know, the full moon and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, I mean, those are representations of things. But at the end of the day, like, it's kind of like you said, like there's a very practical thing to all this. And I come from a very practical background. My family is, you know, we just always had it drilled and programmed into our head, you know, to stay grounded and practical, you know, versus the other aspects of myself, which can be, you know, very emotional or ethereal. Um, and it's been this kind of reconciling of concepts, you know, um, and it's been very important to me to do that, you know, reconciling these things. Um, and also just now from my previous background, um, but also for who I am as a person. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, you're having this awakening, near-death <laughs> experience. It, it, it opens you. I mean, what is, like, give me the, I, I always love the visceral description of an awakening, because I think it is so abstract unless you tap into something. Like, when was the first moment you knew something was different? What happened there, Evelyn? Can you trace it? Are you able to trace it to a moment? I am. I am actually. It's just, I just feel so nervous talking about it because I've never spoken about it publicly. Um, Look, I always was intrigued because I think before this happened, I had a moment in Los Angeles once where suddenly I had this woman. um, She, she was at Air One, which is somebody where I used to frequent a lot. And she like stopped me and she was like, he's coming. It's fine. And I was like, okay. And I thought I was nuts because then I turned around. I swear to you, Greg, I don't know how this happened. She said that to me and I was like, thank you. And then I turned. And when I turned around, she was like literally gone. And I was like, did I just hallucinate? Like what just happened? Then after that, I had a series of like different, um, spiritual encounters with like different churches and people. And and that really started to make me think, Hey, there's more to life than just like flesh and bone like something is different and I always carried that for a couple years after that but the moment that you're talking about where like I viscerally changed with like no explanation happened when I was unconscious when I was essentially like there was a moment I had I was you know unconscious and there was I thought I was in a casket right I actually because I couldn't open my eyes I couldn't do anything I couldn't move and I thought if I don't get heard, I'm going to be left in this casket and they're going to bury me alive. Like, that's what I thought because I didn't know how else to explain, like not being able to wake up. Right. So anyway, I, I'm sitting there or lying there, I guess. And I'm, you know, trying to open my eyes. I'm trying to do things. I'm trying to scream for my life and nothing, but I hear the voices. Like I hear people around me. So I'm assuming that, you know, I'm somewhere, I'm like in a funeral home or something. And finally, nobody would hear me. I couldn't move. And I just said, I literally had to talk with God or myself or higher consciousness, whatever you want to call it, source. Um, I was like, look, if this is it, this is it. Like, I'm okay with it. Like, I'm totally okay with it. Let's just do it. Like, I've lived the life I could live. I have to let this go because there's no other option. This is it. And I let it go. I literally let life out of myself. Like, I felt me doing that. And as soon as like, I almost felt like everything go, there was this huge light and it was like, not yet. And I was like, okay. And I said, okay, it's not time. 
And then it's like, well, then you need to fight to get up. And then suddenly I was out of it. I was out of it and I woke up. I made the choice finally for myself to embody this life, to be in this life, to live this life. And it was just the most profound thing. And like, as soon as I was like, nobody understood why I had so much energy. Um, My healing has been, you know, I'm very humbled by the fact that it's been quite miraculous because I had lost the ability to walk. Like I said to you, I had multiple organ failures. They told me I was supposed to be on dialysis for at least a year. That didn't happen. Um, And all of that. And so I'm just, you know, it's just that moment of like, you want to live. And And I don't know how else to describe it, but just saying like, I'm done with everything that's happened in the past. And I want to just now be forward. Um, wow. Does this all, I mean, uh, are there multiple people around the hospital bed? Yeah, I guess. Cause you have nurses and family and all kinds of stuff. You know, like, are you like, do you like open your eyes and everybody's like, <gasps> yeah. Like, like, did you see the moment? Did you see the gasp? Were they like freaking out? Like, what is the scene? Um, honestly, I don't really remember because I think when that happened, as soon as that did, like, they had injected me with like other stuff to like make sure I was like sedated and normal because I think they thought I was going to be like saying, oh you woke up and they put you right back down. What the heck is this medical system? We can get into that if you want, because I have a huge opinion on all of that, but. Oh my gosh. Wait, so, so you wake up, everybody's amazed and you're just kind of much more embodied. You're you're feeling, you're feeling different. There's joy. Yeah. There's joy. And there's the sense of clarity. Like it was like, I knew that if I was going to come back, like first it felt like borrowed time because I had sort of made a deal in some way. I mean, I didn't make any kind of deal with the devil or anything like that, but it was just more like yeah. a decision. And I think when you decide to live, there's like this strange clarity that like whatever you do must be intentional and purposeful. Like that's what it kind of brought me because I think before I was like, I think I took for granted the idea of time in life. I think I'd always was just like, oh, I'll do it later or, oh, it's going to happen anyway or like whatever. You just take it for granted. Totally. And then, yeah. but it, but I think with it just brought also at the same time a sense of liberation where I was not bound to death because I was like, you know, you kind of just faced it. You were like, oh, I don't, I don't need to fear this anymore in any way. And don't get me wrong, like the aftermath of all of that was actually really difficult, you know, because... Um, my conscious brain, or, or maybe I should say subconscious brain, um, still has these patterns, you know, that I had to dismantle against, you know, this newfound self, or rather the truth of myself. Um, so for the next several months, um, till, you know, about recently, you know, it was this push and pull and tug of war between what I was feeling, you know, this joy and liberation um, that I was feeling versus feelings of hopelessness and victimization, which you know, I had felt on so many different levels, you know, whether it was in my relationships or not being able to walk, for instance, um, and just not being able to explain this all to people um, and what I was going through. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you, you, does everybody have to go through a near-death experience to get this? I don't, well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying is I don't think it has to, but it depends. And it depends. What's the closest, do you think like meditation is like, what? what's like really the way for people, do you think, what's the practice to yeah. really like raise your consciousness, raise your vibration? I think it can be anything. You know, I think Mahershala Ali said something that was very, very profound, I thought, is he said, you know, religion and what you choose to practice is just about relationship, right? It's like how you access this thing that we're all trying to access, which is essentially the purity of source, right? Which is the purity of you, right? And so it's essentially like what 
it, it whatever works for you is what works for you but i would say that the thing i would say meditation is a great thing because it's able to silence the exteriors right if you're able to do it properly and really understand it i think when you get in it gets a bit tricky because a lot of times then people use meditation as like a palliative escape versus like using it as a tool to recognize you're always connected rather than like needing to shut off and do that and then go back to life because that's not the purpose right the purpose is to kind of get that's how they do it in new york that's what uh that's what yoga to the people looks like you ever go to one of those where they like do the silent one minute at the end but like nobody actually stays for it they get right back up right oh so frustrating yeah and it's and look i'm not saying that that there's a right or wrong way to do it it's just more about like being conscious about where your energy goes you know because i think like i said i actually was i you know i consider myself a christian in the sense that i believe in jesus right but in terms that's of that's what i thought i thought you had christian i thought you were a christian to new age kind of gal you know it's interesting i know I there are some people that go the other way that go yeah. like really tarot to christianity which i find intriguing too but i don't um i don't adhere to anything because i think it all leads to the same thing Truly, I really, truly do. And I and I believe that the dogmas are what separates us. You know what I mean? And for me, like I said, like it's about relationship. Like if you find that, you know, really studying Jesus, for example, brings you closer to that, I think that's very honorable. Do you know what I mean? I don't find yeah. a fault in that because a lot of people do find their spiritual awakening. I think it's when you get stuck, like I said, into these different methodologies and all of these things that you you become more about the thing itself than the thing you were looking for. Do you know, because you can, you can elevate yourself in so many ways. You know what I mean? Like, I think it, yeah. um, for me, honest to God, like when people talk about healing and awakening, it's truly about just the self-discovery, which the self-discovery is that you have been given a birth, right? Of your own divinity and your own gifts. And if you awaken to those things, then you're living on your purpose. You're living connected to source. You're living through all that. But if you're living to serve an ego or a program or a mind or this physical reality, which is, you know, money, career, all this other stuff, you're not really connected. And I think I think that's why so many people do turn to Christianity because they do make it really easy in some ways. Like you just follow Jesus and that's it, right? Versus I think some other things might become convoluted and esoteric and confusing, um, especially in the New Age movement. Um yeah, there's a girl. I, there, there's a woman that I know. Um, I performed with her. She she was in Murder Mystery Company with me, and um, t- she very publicly has denounced all her New Age beliefs. Mm-hmm. All her she she. I mean, I don't even know if she does what she did. She was uh, like doing paranormal investigation. She was on one of those shows, um, and was so into was talking to me about all the conspiracy stuff. And she very recently publicly came out and said. Hey, I'm into Jesus now. This is the way I denounce all the, the secrets, everything I've ever read. Like, and I'm gonna speak about this publicly soon. And I've been meaning to. I really want to get her on the show because I'm very <laughs> curious about her journey to Christianity. Yeah. Um, but I wonder, sort of, how some people can denounce it completely mm-hmm. and sort of look at it as because I have heard people look at this stuff and say, like, actually, this is false spirituality and Jesus is the way. But you kind of sound like you're coming from a like. Nah, you can practice the law of attraction and work with Jesus. Like, like, how does, yeah, what is that? Yeah, well, I think, well, it is false spirituality for them. And in, and in some ways it is. I mean, we can get into why. And it, 
it's just, it's a fine line, you know, and this might be something that comes naturally to me. I don't know. You know, it's hard for me to step entirely outside of myself. Right. But I would say that like, for me, I try to like really find the truth of what something is, what is, what is being said in the truth of something. And I think like, for me, what I get from like the law of attraction, right. is like, you have an intention, right. You energetically put an intention out, it comes back. Yeah. And if you think about it, that's what Jesus, Jesus is talking about the same thing. You put love out, you get love back. Right. So what is the yeah. difference between terminologies? There's just terminologies and semantics to me because essentially like, is the result the same? And I, and I feel like, when things become false teachings and is when they become about the thing itself. Do you know what I mean? And I, and I feel that in the sense of like, you have been given as a human, the capacity, you know, you've been given the capacity to impact your physical environment. You know, in the Bible, they call something like that free will, right? You can label it however you want. You know, I think when you get caught up in thinking that, um, and this can happen in new age stuff, you know, that, um, that knowing certain truths of the universe suddenly, you know, makes you God or you are God. And so you separate yourself in some way um, or fragment yourself, you know, I mean, with new age stuff, like you become so much about the ritual, right? Like the astrology and the law of attraction and the ego. And it's like, yeah, those are all things that, and this is what I meant at the beginning where you use the matrix or the physical reality for your soul evolution is those things like the ego, you know, rituals, all that stuff is to get you still back to the original thing, which is source. And I think, again, the reason that Christianity is so accessible is because they do keep it. The essential thing about Christianity is like the Trinity, right? But I should clarify what I mean by Christianity, you know, because a lot of Christianity, you know, can also be very complicated too and community-based and about the church uh, with a capital C, you know, and, and that's not what I'm talking about. You know, I'm talking about the real basis of Christianity, which is having this direct um direct relationship to God or experience with God or whatever you want to call it, you know, which is why I think so many people end up renouncing new age stuff and tarot and all that, because you get caught up in the false idolatry and worship, you know, which is what we're talking about, you know, versus seeing those things as tools or experiences that were valid for a moment in time, you know, and just letting it be that and, and not fearing them, you know, always bringing yourself back to a neutral connection with source or just knowing you have the capacity to do that for yourself, you know, if you ask me whether that is the purest way, I mean, the purest is always the simplest, you know, but that's not to say the other things or the dogmas or practices don't carry validity. They do in their own right. It's just, it's about being conscious of what the truth is and what your aim is. Like, what is your goal by diving into the paranormal, for example? Like, at what point is it just self-serving or feeding a curiosity monster, you know? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, you can, and I had this conversation with somebody the other day is that it can really create a lack of humility in some ways because you get so caught up in the sauce because you, you know, you're meditating and then a vision comes to you and you buy into that, right? You're like, well, right. the angel came into me, so I must be awakened and I see things and I know things. And it's like, how do you know what is actually true? And you don't essentially know all you can go off of in the moment is like your intuition and your gut and you follow that. And you use that kind of as a guide and a symbol. Like I always said, like, you know, whether you believe angels are literally real, like tangibly real, at the end of the day, like if you separate yourself objectively from that and say, okay, what am I actually feeling? Like, is I'm just feeling, you know, a certain presence or something or some energetic feedback that I'm getting. What can I use from that that's functional? Oh, am I getting the message of love? Okay, that means I'll be more loving to myself. Okay, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to Do be. Do you see angels? Do you see angels, Evelyn? No. 
I mean, I haven't had that. <laughs> Do you see any 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 spiritual beings on, on waking reality, no. waking life? It's it's more you're like much more kinesthetically connected. Yeah, and like I said, I'm not saying that those things aren't real. Like when people see them, I'm just saying that even when stuff happens to me, I'm very much about questioning my own sauce. You know, like I can't. You, I think it's. I mean, it's healthy for me to constantly be like, okay, that was real in that moment, but what else can be real? The other side can also yeah. be real. And then you kind of reconcile the two because if you always are buying into your own sauce, then yeah, it does become about false teachings because it becomes about what you believe and your ego and all these other things. And to be fair, like a lot of like, you know, when you get into new age stuff and paranormal, you can go down a dark road if you're not anchored in yourself because you're dealing with stuff that's dark. You know what I mean? And if you're not capable to handle those things, you become those things. You know, it's that whole idea of like what you surround yourself with is what you become, right? So you need to be very cautious about what you let in and know what you're dealing with. I mean, this is why I'm very scared about continuing to do this podcast, to be honest with you. Why? Because I'm like letting in demons. I'm going to be no, talking but, to demonologists. And... Yes, but okay. But see, here's the thing. Like you need to, like, that's what I'm saying is that it just depends on like, what's your level of awareness and your consciousness about those things. Yeah, that's true. I do try to bring a very non-judgmental but curious intellectualism that people have continually faulted me for being too over-intellectual. No. I mean, yeah, you knew that in college. But like, but still, I, I try to do it from a safe distance however like believe me i want to know your thoughts on conspiracies <laughs> like uh, i'm sitting here and i'm like i'm waiting for her to go into it and i know it's not going to look pretty to the public um oh, it's, i mean look i mean but i'll say this one last thing about that other spiritual stuff is that like yeah how am i doing this show safely how can people explore these topics in a way that doesn't lead them down a dark path I well i and, and you know i i say these things like i had a moment the other day i was thinking about myself um about my past you know um i think i think it goes back down to that question that we were talking about the fear versus love it's like if you fear something and you demonize it the more power it has over you right so i think like even with this stuff like you recognize you know a dark thing's power right but you don't if you know who you are as a person if you feel stable in that you've gotten to that place in yourself which i think is pretty much the goal, right? That's why you awaken. So you can keep strengthening that self, that sense of self, right? Is that like, you know, when you encounter those things, they don't necessarily shake you in those moments. Like that's the whole point. And I think part of that comes from exposure. And I think part of us are fascinated by those things and exploring those things because part of our soul wants to integrate them as well. Do you know what I mean? And once you've done that, I think where you get into like things like aberration and stuff like that, or you like, you know, quote, sinful behavior or demons and things like that is when you begin to entertain them beyond their point. You know what mm. I mean? Like for me, like when I was in college, I had a really awful experience for about six months where, I mean, if you look back and judge me on those six months of my life, you would call me demonic myself. But it's just, it's like so much of those behaviors were ruled by an unconscious program you know what I, I mean? I want to know. I want to know about demon. Oh, I want to know about the demon. Demon <laughs> no, Evelyn. But it's no. It's just relative. It's relative. It's like you know those things happen because again, like I'm trying to get into this without sounding super like spiritual and esoteric. But like maybe if you want to come from maybe from a psychology point of view, right? Like there's trauma that gets stored in ourselves, and 
holes within or wounds within ourselves that attract certain things in our lives, right? And they are embodied within us or we play those out because they're still within us. Like if not, they just wouldn't happen. Do you know what I mean? And I think that that even goes societally as well. Like you look at someone like Donald Trump, he holds so much attention for people because I think part of us have this strange relationship to narcissism. Like we don't understand yet that relationship within us because otherwise we would just swat him away like a fly and not pay attention. But yet so many people are triggered. So many people pay attention to him. And if you know anything about narcissism, you know that the first thing you do is you don't pay attention to it. We're definitely going to get back to your sociopath stuff in college. No, I'm not. Yes, I need to say. No, I wasn't a so I'm I'm ju- I'm being judgmental. I was not a sociopath. I'm just saying I did things that I Is this the Dave Chappelle thing? Is no. this the, be honest with me right now? Did you know, was what was that? This is this is the craziest thing. No, this cr- I just I just no, I just I I played out certain shadow aspects of myself that hurt other people. That's what I'll say. For the record, did you know Dave Chappelle in high school? I did. No, I didn't. Really? I didn't. Oh my gosh, you were just trolling me the entire time. Oh my god, I knew this. This girl was telling me she knew Dave Chappelle all four years of college, and I finally got the truth. But everybody was like, "Oh, she's making it up." It does not make sense. You're so much younger than him. Like my. Okay, well, good. I'm glad we we cleared that. Um, but wait a second. This is fascinating. Uh, you said something that resonated with me, and then of course I interrupted it with like okay. stupid college story. Uh, about spirituality. Oh, Trump. Trump, I find so fascinating. And here's what I I'm curious about your perspective on this. Mm-hmm. I watched a video after the debate. Someone sent me this video of a woman that was a psychic or intuitive, one of these healer types and she was talking about how there were two people standing on the stage Mm -hmm. and one person was like a five-dimensional being and then the other person represented the old paradigm and like and she was clearly pointing to the fact that joe biden was the old paradigm and trump Mm -hmm. was the higher level spiritual being even though both of them but the experience from both sides caused discomfort for the public and the world clearly in the response to it um why do you think do you agree do you think trump what is the person in a higher level of being in a sense and if that's true like why (laughs) i'm laughing because it's Again, humans want to always just make things very simple, and I I think it's very honorable, but I think that under the surface, it's very complicated. It's difficult because I am aware that he is not sustainable or functional as a president because of his inconsistency as a being. Like, he is able to lie and turn around and say another lie. Like, that's very objectively obvious, right? So I think the thing that's very alluring to Donald Trump, and you have to look at the function of a narcissist from... The point of view of like, if you look at it from like a wounding point of view, the function of narcissism is essentially to highlight your own power as a being. And I say that because the narc, like any kind of abuse or struggle that happens in your physical reality is to empower you in some way, or you overcome that struggle in some way or find your own power. Right. Um, And the abuses 
And I have to be very careful about how I frame this because a lot of times, and this happens with law of attraction stuff, people say like, oh, well, you attracted a bad experience. So that means that you, you know, you internalize that responsibility and it's my fault. No, it's not your fault. It's never your fault. And it's not that you need to internalize that responsibility. It's that you have control. Maybe in the moment you don't, but in the, you know, in the next steps you do. And that is where I think your empowerment comes. Like with someone like Donald Trump, for example, narcissists actually carry traumatically the same wounding that an empath would, but they express it differently, manifest differently, right? And I think that if you start to look at everybody in their own wounding and seeing that they're just expressing that wound in some way, you kind of find a strange connection to all beings. But, and again, I'm not, I'm not defending Donald Trump. I'm just saying that I don't think he's consciously aware of the fact that he's awakening people, because here's the thing. He has actually awakened a whole sector of people, whether or not that's towards something that is, you know, quote, good. He is in his own way by reflecting a shadow onto back to society, reflecting that, you know, being a mirror for that we're able to kind of see where our own wounding is at and where we need to come from more integrity or empower ourselves or say, oh, I don't actually have to listen to this person and give him attention. Do you know what I mean? And again, I know it's complicated because he's in a position of power, but so are we. We are also in a position of power because he's where he's at because we give him that place. Do you see what I mean? Like we give him that, you know? Right. And so for me, it's like, you know, it comes down to how fascinated we are by these grotesque figures. And we're fascinated by it because, again, something within us also needs to be resolved within that. You know what I mean? Um, Like, I see a child that is screaming. You know what I mean? I don't see him as, like, this demonic monster or whatever. And I don't don't see that about anybody, to be honest. I don't – I think that evil is essentially, like, us acting out wounds. I always love the example of, like, Star Wars where, like, you know, Anakin's this like hurt child and that's how he becomes, you know, Darth Vader, but it's Mm. not because he's actually innately evil. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, I mean, I think the less that we give him that sort of energetic attention or giving him attention in headlines, the less that we do that. And we begin to confront the ways that he triggers us and confront those shadows within ourselves and cut off that emotional reaction the more we can begin to move forward and really see what this whole time is about, which I think someone like him, like, again, it forces our own awakening in a lot of ways for a lot of people. Um, And in that way, if you want to look at like God working through people in that way, then I guess in some form, yes, it works through him in that way, but it doesn't, I don't think he as a being is an altruistic, like loving kind of, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't objectively fit those patterns. Um, I think it's just almost by chance that he's fallen into this position where he's doing things that may seem awakened to some people or enlightened to some people because he simply has the audacity to live in a free way, which again is the allure of the narcissist for people who are very disempowered. Because when you look at a narcissist, they take the extreme example of freedom, right? Like they do whatever they want, right? Which is what a lot of people are missing in their lives, right? And I think that that's where the reconciling comes, is you see that objectively and you say, this person does whatever the fuck he wants, but how can I do this where we're also conscious that we live in a society? Because I think that's what he's not conscious of, right? Is that he's, um, it's very much just always what works for him versus, you know, the other way around. 
so to answer your question, is Donald Trump a light worker of some kind or a deliberate, um, consciously driven spiritual person? You know, given his behavior objectively, no, he's not. And I don't care how spiritual you are, you can't bypass certain behaviors at the risk of your agenda. Um, I don't know if I'm making sense. I hope I am. No, I mean, look, Marion Williamson over there. You got my vote. Uh, look, <laughs> I'm just trying to. Figure. Is that what I sound like? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, but 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 it's a good it's it's good stuff. I actually found her very refreshing. Yeah. Um, she was someone I was like, oh, this seems higher dimensional than whatever these other people are saying. She'll never win. But at least it's coming from like a higher perspective. Um, well, I think that, yeah. that's what's important to me. Like, I don't have any like personal agenda in all of this. Do you know what I mean? Like, for me, I think a lot of people get caught up in the agenda. It's like, well, this is my agenda. Like, this is the Democratic Party agenda. This is the Republican agenda. And it's like, what is the best thing for everybody, including the things that you may not like and the people you may not like? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what is, what well, the thing I'm confused about is, yes, okay, and this speaks to, like, Q and conspiracy <laughs> and what's going on. Mm -hmm. I'm confused why every single psychic <laughs> thinks, Trump, tr thinks Trump's going to win. They're all on board. Pretty much every psychic I've seen, everybody that has sphere of influence in the New Age world that is predicting the future says – Trump is the 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 one that's resonating. People are directing it. He's going to win the election. I'm going to tell you from an intuitive point of view, like if you're feeling out people's, the climate, and you're feeling out and you're connected to other beings, which I believe that we all can be. And, you, and, you, and I think it's very tangible when you go into meditation that you feel that, right? If I'm honest, I don't entirely disagree with them, even though that's against... If I am, if we're talking about agendas, it would be against my agenda, right? Um, but I don't disagree with that intuitively because I think that there is a lot of reckoning that still needs to happen within American society and the world. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, like we were talking about earlier, sometimes the way that that happens, especially when you're still in certain density consciousnesses, like victim consciousness, all that stuff. In order to surpass those conscious levels of consciousness, I was going to say, I just feel so bad. Like America has to die, and it doesn't. And that's the thing is, it doesn't have to. But because of where so many people are at, and because of the varying levels, the thing is, and here's the thing that we don't have a good relationship with in the West, and I think in the East they do. In terms of Eastern philosophy, is that people see death as the end versus the beginning, right? Right. And it right. is. In order for those things to happen, like. Things have to be destroyed in order for the new beautiful thing to happen. And so I'm not saying like smile and do toxic positivity through the horrible thing. I'm not saying that. Right, but right. there has to be like, again, and, I, and I'll bring it back to the near death. It's like as much as I struggled, trust me, it was horrendously difficult for me to go through. It was it had to happen in some ways. And again, I'm not saying that the death of a hundred million people or something needs to happen or, you know, that genocides need to happen or any of that. But if they do, we need to also have the certainty within ourselves that we will see the light of another day in the way that we need to see it. You know, there has to be an enormous amount of trust and surrender in the way the universe works and know that it's always working for you versus against you. Yeah. But I also think more importantly, uh, having trust in ourselves to do the right thing. Right. I just, you know, uh, 
it, it just kills me because and you know, I, I agree just, with you because it, it's, it's unnecessary it feels unnecessary doesn't it well yeah well and also i i also do think that like i mean i don't think he's the best choice but i also think that joe biden actually like has empathy I I, bu- I buy it unless there's something I don't see. And what the Q people, what the Trump people, what the conspiracists and the psychics who are like kind of much more on board with the Trump train kind of see is that like because there's like an authenticity in the narcissism and he is calling out institutions that are evil beyond what we can see on the surface, deep state, et cetera, like Joe Biden is part of that other agenda and Trump's better. And I'm like, yeah, but what does, it does seem like there's, there's selfishness there. Like Trump is doing things that are only benefiting him and his rich friends. And he said that at least it publicly looks like that. So how do you equate awakening with this guy when it seems like the things he's accusing the left of are the actions he's doing? What do you see under the surface of the press? Get me on the other side. Make me a Q fan, Elena. <laughs> Elena. Ele- Evelyn Lorena. I'm putting your name together. Um, yeah, put it. Yeah, give me. make me a Q anon person right now. Oh, Can you do it? Do you have the power? I don't know if I do because I don't know if I align with it myself. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I don't really, I think the only thing I'll defend is that I'm always on the side of truth and I'm always on the side of empathy, right? And I think that that goes for anybody and I don't, like I said, I would not call myself a conspiracy theorist by any means of the imagination, nor would I call myself a QAnon person, because uh, I think it takes it to a different extreme that I'll get into, I guess, is that I I think it's where you're called, right? Like there's, everybody carries like an intuition about something and whether or not that intuition is clear is really ultimately up to each person. I can't tell you, yes, your intuition is clear. No, it's not, right? Only you know that, right? And you know that through self-discovery, through healing, through practices, meditations, whatever, right? And you know when something is pure and when it's not. Um, For me, I can tell you that when something is calm and comes from like a wiser sibling kind of perspective, I listen to that typically versus the agitated, like it must be this way or like fearful voice or the chatter that comes in my mind because that to me is ego. And then if I make a choice from that, then I tend to regret it later, right? Um, Even though I think even if you make quote mistakes, it always ends up working out for you in some way because you realign yourself. Like you're always, even when you do things that are so far extreme from quote yourself, they serve you to bring you back to yourself. Does that make sense? So essentially Mm -hmm. if you look at someone like a Trump, right? Like let's say you've got this group of people that really follow them. Like everything exists in the universe with an opposite. Everything exists to balance one thing out. So if one thing exists, something else will exist in its place as an opposite. So if there's all these altruistically, you know, Democrat people or whatever, by virtue of the laws of the universe, there has to exist the other section on the other side, which is what you're describing, those Trump supporters, whatever, right? So they exist for both to create balance. So if you're called intuitively as a being to support those things, It's very difficult for me, beyond me expressing my opinion about what I think of those things, to tell you that that's not right for you, right? Even if I dislike it and it's ethically wrong in my eyes and everything, right? I can only express my opinion and then if that convinces you, great, and speak my truth, right? And the same thing with them. Like, I think that that's what they're trying to do is express their truth. But ultimately, I think with QAnon stuff is that 
you can't really blame them in some ways because there's not transparency in our government. And when there's not transparency in our government, the ego wants to create all these different stories and these narratives around what is true and why these awful things happen in society. Whether or not they're true or not, I'm not here to claim whether they are or not. I think it's more about what, you know, looking at where they're coming from, which is still, you've got this, this, you know, section of people that are looking for the truth. You know what I mean? And instead of like, you know, demonizing them or ostracizing them, it's like, what, let's hear what they're saying. How much truth can there actually be to that? You know what I mean? Instead of- Oh, I totally agree with that. I totally agree that if, I mean, that's my whole thing with like- Pizzagate and all these controversial things. Any anything that is being brought out to dismiss it purely as bunk is just as it's coming from that fear level of vibration. It's just like, oh no, we we don't even want to understand this and da 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 da. And it's like, yeah, but Jeffrey Epstein was real, right? And we know that's true. And that guy interacted with a lot of people on the left. Um, Here's the thing about that stuff: is that None of this is new. Does that make sense? Like the idea that there's evil perpetrators, for lack of a better phrase, in our society has been happening since man has existed, right? Of course, And yeah. so for me, it's like this thing where it's like the difference now, I think, is the technology that's available. The point that we are in in terms of human evolution is that we now have a choice to no longer put those things under the rug because what we've done for millennia is put those things under the rug. Like how long do we have to go before we actually address these shadows and realize why certain people do certain things instead of just continuously pushing them under the rug? Like we have a chance to evolve now to look at our fellow man, even if we don't like what we see and actually move forward because we haven't had that opportunity in so long. Like we don't have the technological advances that have been present to us before. You know, you don't want to be an actress at all right now, with this awakened perspective. Oh no, I'm still an I'm still an actress. I actually are you? Yeah, I totally. I'm. I actually have something that I'm shooting next week, and I'm shooting. Oh my gosh! Wait a minute. This is great. So now you can do these things that were normally egoic, but from a higher perspective, and probably even a better actress because like you've confronted death, so you can play it. Um, That's what we always used to say at college, right? Like, oh yeah, this will be great for my acting. Like a breakup. Oh, this is terrible, but like it's going to be great for my scene work. uh, yeah, that's kind of cool. How do you, how are you approaching show business, yeah. but not falling into the traps of the matrix of ego? <laughs> um, it's so much based on like feeling. Do you know what I mean? Like, P.S. I want to like backtrack for a second. Like, did everything I say before made sense, or did it just sound like a bunch of shit? <laughs> <laughs> I know I jump around a lot of the show. No, it does make sense. It does. No, it does make sense. Actually, I did want to do a follow up question to that. Um, I'll get into your acting thing. Yeah. The awakening in terms of, you know, like, I think to me, is like- it coming? Is it coming? I guess. Forget your acting stuff for a second. We'll get back to that. The awakening. So you're telling me Trump is coming back. We're getting another four years. We have to see the do the opposite of I the opposite will respond. <laughs> I know I don't mean to. I'm not. Still, I'm not claiming that. I'm just saying I can intuitively see and feel how that's possible. Like I don't want that, and and I'm not going to affirm that. You know, but I wouldn't be surprised, and I don't say that lightly. Truly. Right. Right. Okay. Is this 
the awakening that everybody's talking about is are we actually getting there? The age of Aquarius, they've been talking about it for years. 2020, they said it was 2012. They got it wrong. Where I don't know. I mean, I mean, I I think that... I think what happened in 2012, and this is, I, you know, what happened was, I think a lot of people became alert to the veil kind of being lifted. And I think it's being lifted for all things now, right? There's just no going back. And I, I think that, yeah, that's where the awakening comes in. I think when you talk about the people who talk about it from like the Trump perspective of like the great awakening and all that, they're looking at it from a very specific particular thing, right? Um, and it, that it's going to be a certain way. I actually think things don't ever really pan out how your ego has defined it, that it's going to be right. So I think yeah. even in that way, it's going to probably be wrong and surprising for them, you know, but again, I think they're just probably following their, their soul urge or whatever they're called to do. And like I said, I let it be because I trust how things kind of work out. But I, I think when it comes to that stuff is that like the thing about QAnon is it's using, you know, it's a, function to get people to think for themselves which if you look at it objectively that's its purpose like its purpose is to get people to think for themselves and i think that's where the again goes back to what we were talking about that's the what the awakening is it's not about following trump it's not about 5g it's not about all the other caca it's about you thinking for yourself which is essentially what it means to be awake and i think you know when you talk about that stuff like with QAnon, I'm very, I'm very hesitant about all that stuff. Not because, again, I'm not claiming that it is or isn't true, you know, because again, evil exists as it exists. And, and sure, sinister intent can manipulate people or work through people and manifest on destructive or as destructive agendas. You know, I guess the question of it all now is, you know, where is the source of it coming from now? You know, and, and that's what everyone's trying to discern. But it, it's more about like, why would if those are if those are truly the evil forces in society and you've got this person that is disseminating information do you honestly think that it would be allowed to be disseminated in this way something would have stopped it at this point do you see what i mean and my point is is that it seems like it's the same mechanism being manipulated by maybe the people that they think it is against or or they're in support of like i would not be surprised mm. i read something somewhere there's an instagram i follow she taps into all kinds of stuff uh, like dimensional wise like she she talks about like the original races and implants and all kinds of stuff she <laughs> she was ta- she was talking about how like that kind of information that is so dark or so open would not just be like free candy like it would be much more secured right and so for me it's like it's becoming like an m- information that's manipulated to make people think that they're awake but at the same time it is making people seek more information and be more, you know, thinking for themselves. So again, it's like everything comes with a positive and a negative in some form. And so it's like, you just really have to read information without fear and take it and say, what is the truth in this? Can I justify it? What's going on? And just really use your discernment and problem solving. That lacks a lot in our education and all that stuff. And like people lack common sense. And so it's hard for them to see those things and blah, 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 because everything becomes emotionally biased and not true discernment, which is like, let me look at this information information purely objectively. Um, and I actually haven't read all the different theories and all that stuff. I mean, I've read some about the Pizzagate, but I just kind of am like, all right, you know, I, I don't go down the rabbit hole with it. Um, 
but yeah, essentially I, I feel like any of those things are just mechanisms to get you to think for yourself. And when you start to align yourself so much to that lifestyle, then you become the thing that you're, you know, you just become another version of the same thing, you know? Yeah. I, so it, that I, it just goes back to what we were talking about, which is, you know, get as pure to yourself as you can and, and, and versus like these dogmas or these followings and parties and groups and whatever. Well, your podcast is called Perspectives. Yeah. I'm on it right now, and you're on open loops as we're doing this swap cast deal. But here's, you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to hardball you here for a question. Go ahead. Give me what is real about conspiracy theories. Give me one thing. You've used your discernment. What is actually going on in conspiracies that you can firmly say, based on your discernment? is actually happening that we should that would be wise to be aware of i mean in the vaguest way possible because again it's hard to know what the specifics are you know i think that we really need to look at why wars are started and how our economic system and who rules those things um, yo it all comes down to money it all comes down to money yeah when i get down i kind to, of agree um and, and this is where I have had a hard time, if I'm honest, you know, in terms of the president and things like that. Like, I think typically, if you look at my past record, I would be somebody that would support someone like Joe Biden. But I struggle on a conscious level to do that because, like you said, I think somebody pointed out to me who I care for very deeply had said, look, on a prag practical level, he's a politician that goes with the tide. And if you're going for somebody that is going to quell things, like he's somebody that will go with the tide. So if people are pressuring him and you've got Bernie like on his ass, like eventually you'll see some of those changes. And I was like, that's a good point. However, my worry is, is that, and this is where it gets back to what you were talking about with the different psychics being like Trump is it and like Biden is it. Both people carry strong agendas when you ha when you're in a position of power and you're carrying so many agendas or you're working from places within yourself that are very unconscious which i would argue that both candidates operate with some you know some egoic programming that is very very apparent to me um and i would say yeah. that like when you do it from that it's hard to it's hard to have a a really good government in that way because like i said like the people that we admire that are enlightened and all of those things like you know jesus and buddha and gandhi they're able to like shed those biases in a way that is very profound and i and i feel when i look at these two options like they just don't they don't provide any of that and so for me it's like getting back to your money point is that okay, let's say that we elect someone like Joe Biden and everything, and, and you've got somebody that is going to go with the political tide. But if you still are embracing and reinforcing the same system and the same people that put the money through those people into the system, is it really going to change the thing between him and Trump with the exception that like Trump is just like a loose cannon and does whatever, which could be to our benefit, right? And again, I'm not defending Trump. I'm just saying... You kind of have to really objectively look at like, where is the money coming from? Where's my money going to be placed in these situations? You know what I mean? Like, 
because that's what really rules. Like people don't understand that it's not the politics. It's not all that. Presidents are facilitators. They're the ones that are sitting at the table with these people. What needs to change is the people that are coming to the table because those people are the ones that have the money, the corporations, the people. They're the ones that are influencing and having these conversations with presidents and politicians, right? Politicians are just facilitators. So who is it that you're bringing to the table? And if you're still supporting things like, you know, the big corpse and all that stuff and fast food and blah, 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 you're not really making a change. Like change comes from every single action that you accumulate throughout your day that you do consciously for yourself. And that goes down to like the food you eat, the content you consume, like everything, all of those things. It really comes down to like, well, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Um, mm, yeah, man. <laughs> it's kind of trippy. Um, yeah, no, no, it's really, yeah, you, you tied it into like, you gave a great political point and then all of a sudden at the end, I'm like, wait, are we both on drugs now? I have no idea <laughs> um, <laughs> you, but that was good. That was good. It was kind of hypnotic. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's a great perspective. I definitely think money is something to watch out for and the people that, uh, it's that, that movie network or the play, um, that's the, those are the powers that that's the highest power once you start talking bad about the people with money that's when bad stuff happens but that's what, um, that's what i mean about like the QAnon stuff like do you know how much crap has come out of that like you don't think that somebody would do, do you know i mean it's very it has to be somewhat highly orchestrated that's why i'm like cautious about it because i'm like you're giving out all this free information and like really like you don't think that there would be constant do you know what i'm saying like it's just it's a bit yeah. strange to me and like i said i whatever i you know if it makes people begin if they don't if you know if somebody reads it and they don't buy into it but it makes them think for themselves then fine you know i just think that it's when you begin to militarize well i wonder yeah i mean to, to that point i always thought very early on that the press should not play the same games that they even played with george w bush with donald trump yeah. like if i was someone at cnn I would be asking him about aliens constantly. I would be asking him what's going on in the JFK files. I'd be asking him how was Mar-a-Lago this weekend and like, you know, who is, you know, who do you think's the most attractive person in the White House? Like the stupid low-level stuff that he loves. I would have been playing that game just so I could align with him first yeah. and give him that support. And then go in and manipulate things <laughs> yeah. once I've met him there. But because everybody comes in so combative, of course he's going to keep pushing back and it's going to keep making people angrier. Yeah. I'm like, can you for one news conference find the love? Can you for one news conference feed the child? I would love to see that. It would be refreshing to see. You know, I watched that debate and every time I – you know, again, I, I'm not trying and I'm and I wasn't trying to come from an egoic place or anything, but I just kept having that reaction that you're having where I was like, why do people expect somebody? And, and again, I think this goes down to why self-awareness work and shadow work and ego work is so important, because if you're not able to suspend that when you're speaking to people, you fall into the trap that they're doing. When I saw that debate or I saw people, I'm like, there's such an opportunity here. Oh my God, there's such an opportunity. And yet we go into a situation expecting and dictating how somebody needs to act rather yeah. than us acknowledging and saying, 
I see and I understand the situation. I'm going to come at it, like you said, from this angle. I know, I know. There, there's so many institutions that Trump doesn't fit into, and for people to keep pretending that he will, even to the, I think people had a lot of hope. I think people had a lot of hope that the debate was going to be like, okay, finally. Biden and Trump are going to have a real discussion about the issues and Trump's going to have to behave because there are rules to debates. And it's like, of course he's not. Of course, democracy has changed. The, the, the form has changed. And I look at this as like, even with these sectors of society that are so angry and all these things, it's like, he represents something within us that is yearning to be called out. And I actually wanted to post this on my Instagram is like, I, I did an exercise with myself once where you just identify with this person. Like if you take a moment and what comes up for you, if you say, I am Donald Trump, like if you say, yeah, because a lot of people separate, they're like, I'm not like him. Fuck him. He's a piece of shit. Right. But it's like, okay, well take a second. And like, I am this person and really like embody it for a second. What comes up for you? I think that's where your work is. And I don't mean that because again, I don't mean that what he does is your fault. I just mean, there's something to explore there because his power goes away when you've mastered that part in yourself. Does that make sense? Like, yes. Like he, yes. he is, he is the thing that is yelling and screaming. He's this child that's yelling and screaming. And the reason that some people are attracted by him is because that's what they're craving for themselves. They want that freedom. Like we talked about, or on the yeah. opposite, what some people do is instead of being attracted to it, they, they completely disown it and hate it. Right. I would say that, so many people in our society carry narcissistic tendencies. So for me, it's like, you're really just denying your own shadow in a lot of ways. And I don't mean that in like a judgmental way. I mean it like purely objectively, like there is pervasive narcissism in our society. So why are we surprised that this person is our president? Right. I mean, I, is there nothing more American dream than this this is the embodiment of everything that we've been preaching yeah and everybody criticizes it and i'm like why this is what we've glorified this is exactly this is the perfect mirror for everything that we have yeah beautiful vacations beautiful like a beautiful spouse uh all the money in the world making it making it to the top like i think what people don't like right now is that they're seeing the reflection they're like oh shit let me break the mirror and it's like no the mirror doesn't need to change we do wow wow evelyn lorena (laughs) perspectives I mean, I think I have a good title for this episode. I think I'm going to just oh my God. really just mention Donald Trump. I'm definitely going to call Donald. I, I mean, I have to talk. But no, but I mean, that's the thing is like, even with the people, you know, when he, when Donald Trump said, you know, that whole thing about, you know, some of those people on both sides are very fine people or whatever that phrase was that he said, a lot of people were like, what a piece of shit. How can he say that? Yes. From a moralist point of view. Yes. Like that's not a good thing to glorify, but understand that that made a whole section of people who feel disenfranchised in the first place. Like, why are we not addressing that there's a shadow aspect of society that is not addressed? Like, why is it that a certain section of people feel the need to express hatred towards their fellow man? That's what we need to be addressing. So are you, do you have empathy for the incels? You know, the involuntary, the Proud Boys, really, it's what the Proud Boys sort of become. I mean, I, from what I understand about the Proud Boys, it could be wrong, is that like it's, 
people that are very um, – in, incel was a word that came out a couple years ago from some of the people that were involved in shootings, mass shootings, involuntarily celibate, men that felt that women were rejecting them. They could never get with a woman ever, so they were deciding that we are going to be involuntarily celibate because we can't get action, and – then they take on violence and they're like all man, men's rights and guns and, you know, I mean, um, I, I do, I, mm, I, you know what it is? It's uh, the Joker, the, the Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. Like that was kind of like a – people were criticized it because it was like a glorifying incels, these men right. that are just like, and it becomes violence. Um, but you're telling me they, we should have some empathy for these guys. I think that people confuse – what empathy means. Like empathy literally means the understanding of another human being. So yes, I have empathy for all human beings, but whether I align with those things or agree with them in terms of like ethically, if that's correct, I guess, or I don't like to use the word correct, but you know, if that ethically is functional, it's a different story. It's not ethically functional to have people killing people without repercussions. So no, I would not side with those people because again, I think that comes, I can clearly see that those acts come from fear and not love, right? And I align myself with as much as possible with love, right? Would you condemn the Proud Boys? Would you condemn them right now? <laughs> You're going to pull a Donald Trump? Sure. <laughs> You're going to condemn them right now? <laughs> yeah, I'll condemn those actions because I think that they, you know, I, I'm like I said, I'm not judging those actions, but I, I think that condemn is a, is a harsh word, but do I agree with those actions? No, I don't. I don't think killing people is the way that you accomplish anything. So you're not saying what he said. You're telling them to stop the violence. Yeah. But of course, Antifa's worse, right? Okay, yeah, whatever. With that, I was like, man, just say yes or no. Like, don't go into, like, that's ridiculous. Well, that's the th I was so mad because Biden, like, oh, man. Yeah. I feel like Trump set him up for so many good yes, comebacks. Yes, I know. And Biden and doesn't want to play that game. Well, but I know. He, and that's the thing, and that's what I'm saying. Audrey. We need a comedian. We need Al Franken against Trump. That would be the best. Wow. Yeah. Wow. This has been a whirlwind conversation. Um, um, all of you out there, feel some empathy for Trump. Because no, you I, might be him. You might be him. Well, it's, you know, I... <laughs> Is that I, what we're getting from this? I mean, no, well, I don't want to be reductive and oversimplify what I'm saying, but like... <laughs> I do for entertainment purposes, but yes, keep going. I just think that when we're looking at things in society, like the more that we can come out away from the place of judgment and really look at, again, like things objectively and really, and again, to get to a place of objectivity takes a lot of work, which is why I was saying and advocating for like, you know, doing the work, like facing yourself and doing these things. But like, at the end of the day, like everything serves a function. And if you look at things as serving a function, it A, takes away a lot of the emotionality, and two, I think it just broadens your perspective so much more. And I, I actually live a much more joyous life that way, which if you're talking about getting to higher levels of consciousness, like I just prefer to like really create a reality for myself that is something that I'm proud of and that makes me feel good um, and that reflects you know, my values as a person, and, and that's just pretty much how you know, I want to live my life. Um, yeah, how do you do that as an actress now? Yeah, I go back to your question that we got sidetracked on, right? Um, I feel like somehow this is like become solely about me being interviewed now, and I feel bad because I actually have questions for you. So <laughs> oh gosh, I know what happened here. This is—is is this what perspectives is about? No, but I mean, my my point is is that like I I don't like to, and it's not for fear of like repercussions of what I say because I, I don't, you know, I stand by the things I say. It's just more about like 
I'm always hesitant to make things solid because I think that things shift every second, like nothing, you know, is stable in that way. And so for me to say like, this is the way to do things. I'm always just kind of like, ugh. Um, but I will say that what's working for me right now is really just working off feeling like what feels good to me in this moment? Why does it feel good? Oh, okay. Is this an old kind of program or is it really truly me? And if this feels right, then I do it, you know? And I, I think that goes for like my jobs. Like if there's a job that, you know, I'm asked to audition for and I don't feel like it is right or, or it doesn't feel good to me. I, I just don't do it, you know, um, and I just sort of feel it out. And, and I try to also pursue projects that I feel create more empathy in the world and expand people's perspectives and consciousness. So that goes down to even the projects that I'm writing and producing at the moment. Um, and just having a lot of like, um, I guess, self-empowerment over it, like being able to say no and, and having and honoring my own boundaries with the things that work for me and trying to also expand them. Like if something makes me uncomfortable, really asking why it's making me uncomfortable and making sure that if I say no, it's not because, you know, it's an egoic reaction or something, you know, it's, it's really, I want it to be because, oh, this is what truly feels right. If that makes sense. Yeah. What it, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that what, what are you trying? What was the interview you wanted to have on this show? What was the conversation you wanted to have on Perspectives? I'm having a good conversation. I must tell you, but I'm curious. Yeah. I want to, I mean, I want to know kind of like what, your perception is of like, like what the matrix means to you. Cause I've been so obsessed with this idea of like, you know, like to me, physical reality is essentially like, if you really get down to it, like everything that is, you know, in your reality is of your making in some way down to the fly on the wall. I kind of wanted to get into the intricacies of what you think that's about. If you know you know, if you feel knowledgeable about it, you know, I don't know anything, man. I don't know anything. Come on. I'm just bringing people on to educate me. That's why, that's why you're interviewing yourself on this show. You're, you're on your show right now. I know. I'm probably going to listen back to the playback and be like, <laughs> no, come on. This is perspectives. I, and honestly, look, I could come on your show. I'm, I'm glad to come on again and absolutely like go into more of the belief system. I suppose what it is, is that, See, I come from this from a very fantasy-oriented perspective. Like, like I'm very attached to the idea that life, my experience of life, is constantly about the possibility of how great any moment can be. Yes. Some and sometimes in at my detriment totally at my detriment for living in the present like like at least the way i see the world now is it is a fantastical place with infinite possibilities that often are greatly enhanced by imaginative tendencies (laughs) as opposed to actually being in this world and like letting the greatness of the moment overwhelm me with um the the very thing that my idealism is striving towards like so so here's the thing with that though even though i could meditate more i admit <laughs> i could exercise more <laughs> i could definitely do all these things and maybe i will one day 
at least this podcast that I'm doing, at least the interest that I have, at least my experience with hypnosis and magic and acting and all these things that I've been interested in my whole life. Um, it's such a rich field and understanding why there is a propensity for humans to have fantasy mm. and then exploring the different ways that we fantasize in waking reality has been just the very basis, I think, of how I want to dedicate my life. It is it is just such an interesting, like, I'm looking at a painting on my wall right now, and I'm like, whoa, like, what else is in that guy's brain or woman's brain? Whoever painted this, I can't see the name here. Um, but yes, I, I, you know, like, what exactly the imagination, I think I'm, my view of life is that whatever that quote is about that we're using, like only a small percentage of our brain. Mm -hmm. I want to dedicate my life to exploring the rest of that percentage. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the world might, there might be a reality where the rest of that, the rest of the brain that's untapped is actually connected to a broader landscape of life a multi-dimensional landscape if you will because that's what a lot of people preach like third eye is like you know <laughs> once you get that third eye going you can like really see everything um but it, it, yeah it interests me it's the unexplained it's the that's why i love lost it's why i love that show lost in college it was always about how much greater could this show be than it actually is even though it ended up not being a really great thing that tension of possibility Evelyn? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so, I'm just dedicated to it. I, I'm very interested. And I know it isn't sustainable in the long run in a lot of ways to just be like a fantasist and imaginative, like, i.e. a child brain maybe. Why not? But, I, well, I, why not? Yeah. I guess Tim Burton is a good example of like making a life out of that kind 100%. of thing. 100%. Any any great director, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I guess it's uh, it still needs a foundation, and it's still. I think I gotta. I I my journey with all this stuff is to still find the grounding because I intellectually understand that grounding is very important, <laughs> but I would never, at least at this stage of my life, give up the higher level cloud thinking that I love for that grounding because I feel like the fantasy is still so important and just, it's just so human. It is. Even for a meditation retreat, you, the, what goes up there on a meditation retreat website, the beautiful picture of the beach you're going to be spending time with. That's just as vital of an experience, a part of the experience, the fantasy of what that's going to be. Fantasy is everywhere. It's important. And to me, it is so endlessly interesting. So I don't know if that really explains the matrix, but it's sort it's, of where um, I'm at. Well, it, 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 it brings back to a point because I, I understand how what we just talked about over the past hour can be controversial for some people and may trigger some. And so I, I you brought up something that reminds me of just having the genuine curiosity about life, right? Is that, and I, and I, so I think that's what I meant when we were talking about Trump and all these things is to have a genuine curiosity versus a feeling of disgust. And that's not to control, you know, your feelings. Like if you have a moment of disgust, like feel it, process it, et cetera. Right. 
but that idea of what you're talking about to me it has a lot to do with like the genuine curiosity of like you said the possibilities of life and how much like we as beings are we gravitate towards joy you know what i mean like the reason we create these egoic you know paradigms and 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 programs and trauma responses is because we don't want to feel pain. You know what I mean? Like, again, let's bring drunk back into it. Why do you think he screams and yells these lies and obscenities? Because he doesn't want to feel pain. Nobody wants to feel pain. Even the narcissist doesn't want to feel pain. Do you know what I mean? So for me, yeah. it's like, you know, what you're describing is a very innate thing for all human beings, not just the infinite possibilities, but, you know, our birthright to have joy, right? And joy, I think, is like, I don't think that's necessarily a fantasy, it's just how you're going to ground it. Like, I think it's just how you show that in whatever you're doing, right? Like, you don't think it has to look a certain way or do a certain thing. It just has to kind of show that, you know? And if you're you're always focused on the possibilities, then I would say, like, even this podcast is a really great example of that. Like, you're showing the possibilities of what it means to be human, you know? Um, it's, Whoa, it you just gave me a life purpose. Yes, thank you. I, <laughs> I mean, needed I, that. No, but like, I mean, no, seriously. And I mean that even just like for myself is that like, you know, when I was wondering whether I wanted to perform anymore, I, you know, the attachment of it died, but now I kind of freely choose it. I'm like, oh, okay, this feels right and I'm going to do it until it doesn't feel right or it does or it doesn't. But, you know, I'm intending for it to continuously feel right, right? And it has and it's felt great and I'm enjoying myself and I really, really love performing and, and, you know, all of that. But I also have other interests and I don't shy away from them now because I think part of me used to think like, oh, if I do that, then I'm no longer an actor. I can't write because then I'm not an actor, right? Like such an egoic yeah. response, you know, it's like, ugh. Um, um, I don't know how that answered the Matrix question either. I don't no, know. No, no, no. I think it, no, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I... I think this podcast was a step beyond where I'm at because for a while it was a much more selfish kind of like, I'm just going to read books all the time and, <laughs> you know, like do my job and make money so I could keep learning more. And I, and I, I do hope that if anything, I'm, I'm giving a voice to some interesting ideas that people could find useful, <laughs> some different perspectives uh, to really get, get enlighten um as well as you know like maybe entertaining some people yeah. once in a while like like i i definitely think this stuff is worth exploring um and I, I don't know i mean some days i wonder am i just doing a podcast for intellectual incels i don't think so no. um <laughs> but but and that's not saying i i'm not an incel i i, I have to, evelyn knows i dated somebody in college for a while um but like i i guess i guess even entertaining the conversation and trying to give other people's voices weight in a open-minded way like yeah maybe that is enough these days it is enough and i you know so maybe i am great you are yeah. great greg honestly i think that you're fantastic like i i feel i feel very at home in this conversation even though it feels like we left off like all these years nothing's gone by you know what i mean i know no, it's like what's happening um but i know i mean it yeah that's how i feel kind of like with mine as well it's like i don't 
what were you doing when you were a sociopath in college? Like, those are the questions people need to be asking. No, I just, you know, I, I was <laughs> We need you know, to know right now. All right. You opened the loop earlier in the show yeah. and, you know, <laughs> okay, fine. We'll save that for no. the next episode. No, I mean, I can, I can mention it in some way. I just, um. Were you Trump of NYU for a little bit? Were <laughs> no. you the Donald Trump of no. Ruben? dormitory hall right no i you know i was in love with somebody and i at the time didn't know it and i treated him just so poorly and the people around me i was you know i abandoned a lot of my friends for somebody and look i was in the midst of being manipulated by somebody else and so it was hard to see through and like i said i don't blame those other i used to blame those other things for so long for so many years but now i look back and whether i was manipulated or not or i was under the influence of the wrong people doesn't matter because the choices I still made were mine, right? Like I did have those moments where I could have chose differently and I didn't, you know? And, and again, I don't fault myself for that because it was with the information I knew at the time. And I actually am very grateful because that experience, you know, made me into a better person, right? And made me very conscious of being empathetic towards people. Um, but a lot of it, you know, came down to trauma programming. And it, it that whole experience, if I'm honest, just gave me such a catapult to look at people in a different way. Like when people who get, because I felt demonized by the people around me that I had hurt, I started to like really say like, how do other people who feel this way feel, you know? And maybe that sounds why I'm like defending Donald Trump. I'm not, I swear I'm not. It's just trying to look at it from like a different perspective is what I, I guess my, my goal is with all these things, because if we keep looking at it from a, you know, a warlike perspective of like, or an egoic perspective of like this against this, I feel like war will continue within man, you know, versus yeah. like, you know, Hey, maybe this is trauma programming and this is why these things are happening, you know? Cause even if you get into like, what is it? The QAnon talks about like the cabal and like Hillary Clinton and Bill Gates and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Is the that indictments like, are supposedly coming all, or they're already in jail. <laughs> Tom Hanks, everyone's in jail already. Where, why, well, where is this coming? No, when is like, it coming out? I, first like, of all, I, I mean, I don't know about all that, but I just, my, my, my point is, is that like, even if there were some truth to that, like, any evil that comes from people always comes from some wounded place. Like if you're, even if you're talking about somebody like Hitler, you know, all of that is essentially wounding. I mean, you can trace it all back. Or even if it did come from like some reptilian overlord, like it doesn't matter. Like an evil action is an evil action, you know? Um, and I think it's about understanding where it comes from. Again, it doesn't justify or make those things right. Because like I said, even with my example, like you have to hold people responsible and accountable for even the actions that they were doing under whatever, right? At what level do we start to say to ourselves, like, I'm really no different than this person. Maybe it manifested differently, but that core wound is the same, you know, like where are we coming from in our understanding of people versus I'm uncomfortable with yeah. this. I'm uncomfortable with this. Thus I demonize it. Like, that's just very simple to me. It just feels. I forgive you about the Dave Chappelle thing. I really do. Okay, really thank do. you. I appreciate you because I know that you were the only person I told that to. So, <laughs> oh, great! Wow, wow. Okay, well, well, look. I think Emily Cravella was in on it. Oh my gosh, what the heck? Why was I okay? Whatever. Uh, what is missing here? How much? How much deeper does the rabbit hole go? You, you into astrology? You into dar karma? You into? I'm into everything. Reading natal charts. I'm into everything. Yeah, I can read a natal chart. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Here's the thing that I've always known as a fundamental. Truth truth about life is that knowledge is power right 
And if knowledge is power, like, why should I fear like going, like I said, like you just put boundaries when something is, doesn't feel right. You just don't do it. Like, you know, I used like, I used to even be afraid of like this idea of like demons and stuff like that. And I'm like, you have control over that though. Like, I think that we don't give ourselves enough power in the sense of like confidence in ourselves. You know what I mean? As like an anchor. What about Mormons? What about him? Where do you land? Where do I land? I mean, whatever. If it, like, does it bring? My question is again that idea of relationship. Does it bring you closer to source? Is what you're doing make you a fuller version and higher version of yourself? If the answer is yes, go forth, my friend. Go forth. You know what I mean? Wow. What about lifelong? What? <laughs> I don't even know. I was going to ask about choosing to be a virgin your whole life. Why not? Um, yeah, lifelong celibacy, not involuntary celibacy, voluntary celibacy. Why not? Get you closer to the source. If that makes your fucking jet roll, great. Webcam models. <laughs> what about webcam models? <laughs> you into it? Is that, Do you support it? I mean, what, like pornography? Uh, whoa. Wow. No, isn't that with like webcams? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's what I'm talking about. Um, I, you know, I have a, I think pornography is one of those things, again, like if you, it typically when people come at pornography, it's from a lower vibrational place versus a point of connectedness. It can get you into dangerous territory is what I mean. And it makes you kind of entertain things that you may not have intended to like, you know, get and then getting into like pornography addiction and things like that. You just have to be conscious when you do things. It's like what we've been talking about is like, I don't know if there's like a right or wrong way to do something. It's just more about being conscious of like what the consequences are of those things. It's like, you know, even with like, you know, I was, <laughs> I was thinking about power recently where it's like, um, oh my gosh, this is going to be like, you're going to be like, how did she connect these two things? I was watching The Devil Wears Prada, which is like one of my favorite movies. It's a, it's a, yeah, rom, yeah. It's a rom-com, but I love Meryl Streep in it. And you know, the whole film is about how you maintain power, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like with power, there's nothing wrong with like wanting to maintain your power, I guess, in some form. But it's like when your maintaining of the power comes at the expense of other people, then you go into dangerous territory. And I feel like that's when things will be described as quote, aberrated, distorted, or sinful because they affect other people in a negative way. So like if you're, you know, doing pornography, but you become an addict and then you, you know, get into child pornography and then you abuse children, like then it goes down a rabbit hole. And I'm not saying that it necessarily will lead to that. You know, I'm not saying something like weed is the gateway drug or something like that. It's, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. it's just more about like being conscious of like what, you're involving yourself with like is this bringing me closer to something i want or further away let me see okay you know ufos where do you land on it let's get the whole perspectives right we're, now we're we're ufos we are ufos like if you think that we're the only fucking people on the planet, like <laughs> do you see have you seen flying saucers be no, real with me. no but i've seen interstellar and i think that that was like the if you want to talk about <laughs> a film that like describes how my mind works that is the perfect film Interesting. Who is you, and Matthew McConaughey fan? Who's the best actor working in Hollywood today? Well, he's not act, he's not working anymore. Daniel Day. Daniel Day. Always Daniel Day. Always. Yeah, you haven't changed since college. You really haven't. <laughs> um, no, you're awakened now. This is awesome. Look, I I, I am. I, is that is that what you're is that what we're calling me? Wait, awakened. Yeah, that's what I'm calling you. Um, you're you're Evelyn. 
I don't oh, I don't want to carry that title at all. and Lorraine it doesn't work. Yeah, no, yeah. you are you are you are okay, fine, you're not awakened. You're you're woke. No, no I'm just Evelyn. Oh, I'm just Evelyn. How about that? Are you woke? What's the difference between awakened and woke? Woke well, seems to have a very social <laughs> justice y kind of I think now if you talk a lot of people who were woke in like say 2016, I actually would have identified myself as that in 2016. So it's funny that I come from at it now is that I think a lot of people now who consider themselves woke are very critical of that term because I think that a lot of it is, has become like the woke white man or white girl. Yeah. Who's um, actually woke these days. But that's what I mean is like, that's such a like relative term, you know, a woke in relation is it Ocasio Cortez? You know it is. Be honest, what? AOC. She's. Woke. I do love AOC. Woke? Yeah, I like AOC. Um, I again, like in relation to who? You know what I mean? Like that's why I'm saying is like this idea when you ask me about the Russell Brand Jim Carrey thing. I'm like in relation to who? You know, like in relation to what as well? Like awake in what? Because like to me, is Donald, like, is Donald Trump woke? <laughs> <laughs> we need to know. So what is your, you know, and I want to, I want to know, like, what is your title? Like, if I'm like, oh, I had Evelyn on Open Loops, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, who is Evelyn? Is she a healer? Is she a psychic? Is she an actress? Like, like, what is, when people ask you what you do these days, I'm sure that's a tough, because we want to talk about what we are, mm-hmm. but if someone were like, what do you do, Evelyn? Are you a multi-millionaire and I didn't even know it? What is going on? Are you Donald Trump? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is hot. <laughs> yeah, he's my best friend. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, you knew you, you knew him. You knew no, him in middle school. No, okay, but I am. So, but so, I am. You know. But I. I would love to. You know. I said this. You know, it's going to look great. I want to call this episode "Why You're All Donald Trump" with visionary Evelyn Lorena. <laughs> That's what I want to title this. Okay, I love that. I, I'll do it. Okay, <laughs> I feel I mean, like it's, it's a lot gonna of... <laughs> stir some people. <laughs> Maybe it won't. Maybe I think we've come at it from a pretty fair perspective. I mean, I don't like I said. Like, if you ask my personal opinion, no, I'm not gonna you know vote for Donald Trump. No, no, no. I think you're absolutely right about people confronting their shadow. Se- I mean, the, the shadow self is so. It's been instrumental in my expansion. Um, I don't even think I've gone all the way yet. Uh, <laughs> you know, but I, I definitely, I, I definitely think again, several moments of enlightenment for me today. I mean, oh. I've been honored to be on the perspective. Oh my gosh. Podcast. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I really like this. I've had a good time. Evelyn Lorena V doesn't want to be awakened, identified. <laughs> She's been great. <laughs> and Greg Bornstein, the man that didn't really give you a lot of answers, but maybe will in a future episode. Oh, he will. I, I might invite you back on and be like, hey, talk to me about all your conspiracy theories. Because I actually, like I said, I know it from an outside perspective, not I haven't. Like, I don't really. Yeah. Okay. I was doing it a lot at the beginning of the pandemic and then oh, I just okay. got like, but I do kind of, I do kind of consume it all still just to like see what it is and what I listen to a lot of podcasts about it. And yeah. it's very interesting stuff. It's also like a lot of hocus. It's just, I yeah, know I can imagine the, the, the human mind will create stories to yeah. give a reason to something. Yes, it will always will. So. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's some of this stuff is crazy. Um, yeah, the whole Michelle Obama is actually a man conspiracy theory. The one that I'm always Get like, the fuck out. Of here. <laughs> yeah, sorry, <laughs> just like <laughs> it, that was one of the last things Joan Rivers said before she died. Like, um, you know, someone she had just presided over a 
gay marriage i guess she was like an mm-hmm. acting minister or priest or whatever and they were like oh do you imagine you know you might do something like that in the white house one day and then she said something like well no nah, i don't have to because uh or, or like or what did what did she say this seemed they said like oh this is a big moment like do you imagine we'll ever have a gay president and she said we already do and his wife is transsexual like Joan Rivers said that and then she died now could Joan Rivers have been making a joke probably but did she know something we don't because <laughs> she's one of the sharpest minds ever love her oh, God. Uh, I think it's I think it's a little out there for sure I've I've looked at Michelle Obama up and down she she's very womanly <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it just, yeah, it's, I think people want answers. I think that people need to see the underlying urge of those things. And the underlying urge under conspiracy theories is that people want answers and they they want answers and, and they want to feel safer. And I think part of that is, yes, with truth coming out, but part of that is also us doing our own work and just being like, hey, how are we responsible for ourselves, you know, while working yeah. with the collective? And Do you think we got answers this episode? The answers come from within ourselves. So yeah, maybe. Wow. Again, she trips you out. You <laughs> least expect it. And she just brings it all internal and trippy. Uh, Evelyn, I've loved this. Thank you so much. All for. Right, um, I, I'm glad we did this thing. I know. I know. And it's so good to see your face. It feels really great. I'm so happy. Isn't dismantling the Matrix awesome? Evelyn does a great job of it. She breaks it all down, speaking to the shadow selves. Does it change who you're going to vote for? I didn't think so. I wonder what you think of Evelyn. I wonder what you're going to think of her when you check out her IMDB page, which I'm linking in the show notes, to show you how much she's actually done in showbiz. And I also wonder... If you listen to more episodes of Perspectives, which check that out, that's on all the major podcasting platforms. It has guests from all different walks of life, all different angles coming at interesting conversations that bring in multidisciplinary sorts of perspectives, I suppose. Uh, I, I was, I'm honored. Hey, uh, I'm honored that she let me come on her show. And I hope to collaborate with Evelyn again. I don't think this is the first time she'll be on this show. And who knows, depending on who's the next president of the United States, maybe, maybe they will ban my existence from going on as a podcaster because of how controversial this is. Whoever takes over in office 2020, if you ban me, just make a big deal out of it because you know i good publicity is good publicity right evelyn was fantastic this episode especially the last 20 minutes get insane also she still may have known dave chappelle when she was in high school she told me that for years what do you think that was very curious I don't think she actually did. I, I, I think I got the truth out of her. 
but Evelyn's a woman with secrets. And she has a million different views on a million different things. And that, to me, is the greatest quality of a chief looper. So whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's Joe Biden, whether it's Kanye, I implore you, in 2028, write Evelyn Lorena on the ballot, if it's not there already. Thank you all for listening. Evelyn, I love you dearly. Thanks for coming on my show. Thanks for having me on yours. Take care, everybody.